Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Well, now that we are well into this so-called new year, time for reflection on some things that have been going on at the beginning, at the inception of this new so-called year, which, frankly, again, does not really begin for a few months. But California, you know, once upon a time it was, as Maine goes, so goes the nation. Well, that was long, long ago. In point of fact, the latest and greatest, (laughs) newest and most improved things that have come down the pike have typically come from places other than Maine, places like California. Generally, they are promoted from the media capital of not just the nation, but the world, Los Angeles and or New York City, New York. These are the places that typically lead the way. I know when my family moved from California to the East Coast when I was a youngster, I was surprised, and this goes back some years, as you can imagine, I was surprised at how much further behind the Northeast was than the West Coast was. And this was despite the fact that my father was transferred to work in corporate headquarters in New York City, and we were living in a commuter suburb of New York City, an extremely affluent, influential place where the typical length of stay was only three years, an area that was populated by and large by those that were vice president or higher in major corporate America. And yet the houses, the housing was so inferior to that in California in terms of conveniences, in terms of luxuries that were had become mainstream in California and <laughs> were not uh, in Connecticut and New York State and New Jersey. Curiously enough, again, this was a long time ago, But California and the West Coast led the way, but at that time it was California. Now it has spread to Oregon, to Washington. The Seattle Metroplex has become a dominant factor in the tech world. But back then, Boeing ruled and reigned the day. 
Well, I digress. I apologize. But even though the newest trends and so forth prior to the age of micro-communications in the way of Twitter, tweets, Facebook, all of the social media morass that we have now, preceding that through the major media, the new trends were promoted, typically from Los Angeles. But in these past decades, new, exciting things that have been promoted here for the United States of America and for the Western world, promoted via politics, have not always come through the powerhouse states or metroplexes. Many times they have found their way across America by getting a toehold in places where the advertising is ever so much less expensive, where initiatives, petitions and initiatives are able to be promoted and sold to the gullible public and made law and then exported to other states and accepted by the rest of the nation. And so you will see areas that have much lower advertising cost, places such as Oregon, formerly Portland, Oregon, and places like the old states, the older states, the states that are losing population and whose economies have been suffering, places like Maine, (laughs) As Maine goes, so goes the nation. Places like that being a focal point for political activism in order to force through these corrosive, corruptive, perverting, destroying agendas and then to have them recognized by other states. Well, this January... This January 1st, California once again leading the way. Not a small market state, huge advertising dollars, hugely expensive media market. California leading the way, but actually they're following. (laughs) But they're leading the way nonetheless because they're giving a great deal much more oomph than some of those who've been leading the way have. And this is on promoting the legalization of the sale of marijuana for recreational use, for recreational purposes. Interestingly enough, in order to sell pot, marijuana, Mary Jane, dope, and so forth, otherwise known as cannabis, commercially in this month in California, Marijuana businesses have to have local approval and a state, a California state license. 
And interestingly enough, and this might just seem like, well, of course, naturally, the existing so-called medical marijuana dispensaries are being given first priority for recreational sales. Well, that's reasonable. That's understandable. Wait a minute. Isn't that an interesting precedent, though? Stop and think about it. These places of business that came into existence supposedly because of the need for marijuana to be used medicinally. You know, like in the old movies where this boozer and that boozer and the other boozer were boozing it up and they were saying, well, it was under doctor's orders and so forth. Have you seen any of these old movies where that was just a standard shtick? Was that they were following doctor's orders? That they had been prescribed hard liquor? Well, here, these places of business, so-called, that came into existence... To provide this service of medicinal marijuana, they are going to be, they are, and they will continue to be at the front of the line on receiving California state licenses to promote, to sell, to profiteer off of recreational marijuana sales. You know, I would think that somebody would say, wait a minute, there's some sort of a conflict of interest there, isn't there? Isn't there an axe to grind there? You know, back before these places came into existence, back when they were promoting this to the gullible, foolish, sinful public across the state of California and in other states. They engaged in this public relations war, which also in years prior has been likened to getting a camel's nose under the tent of needing to legalize pot Dope, which dope is a term that's used for many illicit drugs, but pot, needing to legalize that in order to help suffering people, people suffering with pain, with intractable, intractable pain, pardon me, something that the, my father has had to deal with for the majority of his life and something that I deal with, and it's that's not a matter of it being inherited. Different causes, causation factors there. But needed to legalize pot to help these people. And yet these places now, they're shifting, they're pivoting, and they are becoming the first and foremost recreational pot dispensaries across the state. So what? Uh, so what? You know, when we look back 
on the demise of the United States of America. Perhaps some people will look at this and say, you know, that was really the the issue. That really was the moment. That was when things really went off the tracks. No, not really. Not really. It's been all of the moral degradation, the destruction of morals of mores in this nation. It's been the acceptance, the endorsement, the legalization, the rewarding, the enabling, the facilitation of out-and-out evil that has been at the root, at the core of the demise of the United States of America. But in history, to this day, and you find this in Hollywood, in the Hollywood movie industry, this fascination with previous civilizations, but always with civilizations that were ungodly. Oh, they had their false gods, their false deities, and what have you. But they were ungodly, unrighteous, unjust, unfair, inhumane, callous, destructive of humankind as they were abhorrent of a righteous, just, holy, true God. And they embraced evil instead. This fascination with these former great civilizations that are always being dredged up, so to speak, and being glamorized as being so tremendously advanced. And there's remarkably little attention paid to their demise, the fact that they finally came to violent ends. Because even though God Almighty tolerated them for X amount of time, gave them space, gave them time to repent of their ways, there was a limit. But we make it out that these, well, I should say the Hollywood movie makers, those who delve into these areas ever so superficially, and others, and in public education, and in private education, of course, those like, you know, in the Ivy Leagues, they make it out that these fabulous, enlightened civilizations They came to an end because of, oh, I don't know, global climate change or other such things as that. It's never because of their inherent systemic wickedness. (laughs) That's never it, okay? There's never cause and effect that whatever took place on the periphery and on the exterior and surrounding whatever brought them down into the dust, whether it was military conquest or whether it was so-called natural causes, which are in these cases never referred to as acts of God, because then 
(laughs) if those were acts of God that brought them to an end, then you're saying those are acts of what God is that? Overthrowing these civilizations of these other gods? Hmm, maybe there is such a thing as a true God. We can't go there. But it's never about what was really responsible for their destruction. It's always just looking at, if you will, it's like with regard to disease, just looking at the symptoms and not at the cause. Here with the United States of America, this promotion of pot, of marijuana, across the breadth and depth of the nation, even while we supposedly are concerned about the welfare of young people and supposedly trying to stamp out traffic fatalities and all of those monstrous injuries, so many more people maimed and mutilated, burned and scarred and their lives shattered brain injured, paralyzed, what have you, in traffic so-called accidents, collisions, then in fact die, and yet the number that die is horrifically large. Even though we supposedly are so concerned about those things and all of the states are always advertising about that, don't drink and drive and so on and so forth, all this promotion of pot. Hmm. Well, maybe there's a bit of a double standard there. Maybe there's just a wee bit of hypocrisy there. But really, again, this embracing and promotion of illicit drugs is only, (laughs) that's just the tip of the iceberg. That's nothing like the core vileness and lewdness and profaneness and perversity that is driving this nation to destruction that has brought this nation into the gutter or sewer, if you prefer. But here, just to quote one person who was quoted, this is a fellow who engages in that great business of permanently marking defacing people's bodies via tattoos. And he says, this is something we've all been waiting for. It is something that can help so many people. Right? Reminds me of those advertisements for California psychics. Have you seen those? (laughs) Yes, they're on, I don't know, late night TV. All of a sudden you're watching something and along comes an advertisement and it says, oh, California psychics have helped so many people. It just reminds me of this and here, this from California, but this is something that's going on here this January. Many other exciting things going on, whether it has to do with, on the Republican side, Mitt Romney 
apparently going to run for U.S. Senate, become the next U.S. Senator, the junior U.S. Senator from Utah, where he is wildly popular, and he's mainstream Republican. When I say mainstream Republican, I don't mean in terms of historical Republicanism. I'm talking about mainstream Republican in this day and age. Which really uh, is more like what's also known as East Coast Establishment Republican. Like George Herbert Walker Bush and his father before him. And I think really to a significant extent, George W. and his brother, Jeb. But while that's going on, on the Republican side of things, and some people may be getting excited, oh, well, he can legitimize the Republican Party again, unlike <laughs> unlike the incumbent president. Well, let me just uh, give you one quote from Mitt Romney. I am not a a fan of Mitt Romney uh, for a number of reasons. But that being said, this quote is excellent. (laughs) It's just absolutely excellent, if I can find it. And it was pertaining to the incumbent president. And uh, and I probably won't be able to uh, to get there, but it was an assessment by him of Donald Trump before Donald Trump became the prohibitive. Uh, what would you call it anyway? Uh, torchbearer for the Republican Party. And what Mitt said, if I can find it. It was so good. Oh, and I probably can't find it. But anyway, uh, it was one thing that Mitt said that was right. It was one thing that he said that was right on the money, accurate as could be. And I appreciated it. Even though I don't appreciate him, I did appreciate that. And it was just with regard to Donald Trump's qualifications to be president. And he wasn't just saying that he didn't have the temperament for it. It was that that Donald Trump didn't have the judgment. And I, again, because I can't find it, I'm not quoting, but it was that that he had neither the temperament nor the judgment nor the character to be qualified to become president. And I thought that was remarkably on point coming from Mitt Romney. But he will be taking Orrin Hatch's place unless something remarkable takes place uh, to the contrary. And he's had his turn at president, but 
rest assured, there are those who will want to promote him to be the next Republican presidential candidate. It's forgetting all of this pressure and push and everything else to try to impeach Trump. And I mean from before he took office. As soon as the election results were in, that crash began. But apart from that, it's still, even without that happening, if that does not happen, without that happening, it still would be very likely that Trump would be a one-term president. You know, along the lines of James Earl Carter, Jr. Jimmy, trust me, Carter, who preceded Ronald Reagan, who succeeded Gerald Rudolph Ford, Gerald Rudolph King Ford. Well, on the Democrat side, I'm sure you've seen various different uh, (laughs) people being promoted. And interestingly enough, a number of them have been from the world of media, entertainment, Hollywood. From one of the stars, Papa Star of Blue Bloods, Tom Selleck, all the way over to Oprah, Queen Oprah, (laughs) no, Uh, there has been a great deal of political activism by entertainers in the past, almost exclusively activism of the left, almost exclusively. And while there has been that, I can't think of next to any that have run for political office. You know, I mean, they've got such a great situation, right? Such a great career, such a great gig in movies and other of the entertainment industry that I'm sure it's a little bit daunting to then move into something like politics, but to throw their weight, their influence, their prestige, their popularity behind this evil one and that evil one and their evil agendas. They're only too happy to do that, right? But now, because of Trump's success, there is greater interest amongst that community than there has been heretofore. And I think it is extremely likely that one or more well-known, famous entertainment celebrities of the left, and the left dominates entertainment industry and entertainment celebrities, that one or more will, in fact, run for the presidency and 
perchance succeed in gaining that highest of offices. Something exciting to look forward to. Meanwhile, before I continue, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done, in case you missed the introduction. And whatever is right and true and praiseworthy about this program is thanks only to my Lord and King and God and His Christ, Savior, the only name given under heaven by which we may be saved. And what's wrong about it? And there's plenty, I'm sure, that's wrong about it. Whatever's wrong about it and lacking is thanks to me. Well, we are less than one month now from the commencement of the Winter Olympiad in South Korea. And... Word has come forth now that apparently, not absolutely, but apparently North Korean athletes will make an appearance at these games. Something to look forward to. From that wonderful nation of North Korea. You know, the enslaved, starved, destroyed Vicious, ruthless, sadistic, satanic, communist regime portion of the Korean Peninsula. Much has been made about the current Kim, the third in the line of that illustrious family whom I refer to as Kim Young-un. I know that's not the official pronunciation, but that's my pronunciation. Kim Young-un. About, oh, that he's crazy, and so on and so forth. Unlike his father and his grandfather, he's crazy. Right? He's unstable. He's a nut, you know? Well, no. He's a fat entitled, spoiled playboy who is more than a playboy, rapes whatever girls are so unfortunate as to be in that nation and not to be totally starved and to be more attractive. But he's a destroyer. He's vicious, ruthless thug and an extremely fearful one you know the what the experts would refer to as paranoid and so on and so forth extremely fearful and insecure but a vicious ruthless maniacal destroyer if you will but maniacal only in the sense of the ferocity of the hatefulness. Not that he's crazy. He's evil. Like his father before him. And his grandfather before him. Going back to Grandpa Kim. He's the one who initiated the practice of having himself worshipped as God. 
And they set up an unholy trinity to take the place of the holy trinity of God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And that continues to this day, this unholy trinity headed up by whichever Kim was in charge, currently Kim Young-un. And should Kim Young-un die for whatever reason, there's the possibility, and I certainly don't think it's a foregone conclusion by any means, but there's the possibility that his sister will take over. So it could be another Kim. But Grandpa instituted this practice of himself being worshipped as God the Father. And all who failed to worship him were, if you will, put to the sword. This continues to this day. Any who dare to have smuggled a black book, to have a black book Bible in their hovel, and it be discovered, such as by a two-year-old or three-year-old child in the family reporting it to their teachers, their preschool teachers, who are constantly monitoring the children with extreme severity and controlling them and having them spy on their families. Anybody found like that? Well, that's a death sentence in wonderful North Korea. But that's the way it was under Grandpa Kim. That's the way it was under Daddy Kim. And that's the way it is under Kim Young-un. And yet, Kim Young-un is made out by our current president and others to be a nut unlike his predecessors. No. No. The only difference is that he inherited all of this. That's the difference. He is just the rich, licentious recipient heir of this. That's all. That's the only difference in point of fact. But we're going to see interesting display of South Korea hosting this Olympic. South Korea, which was on an equal footing with North Korea going back to 1950. But South Korea is an industrial giant, even though it's a tiny nation. South Korea is the most Christian nation in the world. That's not to say everybody in South Korea is Christian. No, definitely not. But it's the most Christian nation on this earth. In stark contrast with North Korea. So those games are supposed to begin, I believe, on February 8th. 
And South Korea, while it continues to excel in industry, in commerce, The experts would have us believe that it's just, and and the president would have us believe that it's just because of democracy. No. It's because of Christianity. Not that Christianity and prosperity go hand in hand. Good and godly people are not guaranteed of some prosperous life. Look at the Christians in North Korea. The Christians in Sudan, in Ethiopia, in Eritrea, in Uganda, Ghana, Nigeria, Pakistan, India, Iran, Iraq, and the list goes on. No. But democracy owes its existence to Christianity. And absent Christianity, democracy ceases to exist. Doesn't exist in the first place. And if it does exist, and Christianity is eliminated as as attempts are continually being made to destroy Christianity, then democracy ceases to exist. A former U.S. ambassador was interviewed recently, and he said that he thinks that in the eyes of the people of the world, that the United States is declining, is in decline. But Thomas Pickering was not referring to moral decline in this nation. He wasn't referring to corruption and perversion in this nation. He wasn't referring to injustice in this nation. Not the kind of so-called injustice that is ballyhooed by the major media elites and such about supposedly there is this terrible, intractable, persistent, Racism, anti-black racism, all of that fiction, institutionalized. No. No, I'm talking about actual factual injustice of the good and godly being preyed upon by the destroyers while the destroyers are rewarded and are championed by the wicked. But no, he wasn't referring to that. He was referring to the reputation, the public image, the influence of the United States of America. And certainly, seemingly, the focus of his remarks was the current incumbent president, Donald Trump, and his executive administration. But 
he may very well have been referring to other things. In what I read, that was the impression I got. But I don't know if that was the limit of it or if that was really the intent of his remarks. I believe it was. And again, he is a former ambassador. Former ambassador for the United States of America to Russia. So he sees United States global influence declining. Well, that goes right along with the criticisms by the Barack Hussein Obamas and Jimmy Carter's and Bill Clinton's and Hillary Rodham's and so on and so forth, Joe Biden's and what have you, that infer... That all of a sudden, the United States is on the skids, and it's on the skids because of the current president and because of his supposed unpopularity or lack of popularity. Because after all, politics is a popularity contest. It really is. Sadly, pathetically, but it is. But regardless what you think of Trump, regardless what you think of what he has done and hasn't done and how he's done it and how he hasn't done it during his first year in office, and of course he hasn't reached his anniversary date yet, still a few weeks shy, but Regardless what you think of that, surely you recognize that the decline of the United States of America, if you believe there is a decline, surely if you believe there is a decline of the United States of America, not only an image problem, but actual factual problem, that it predates this current president and his issues and problems and what have you. That it predates this president and as horrible as his immediate predecessor was, it predates that president and predates the president before him and predates the president before him and goes back decades and decades and decades Not that it was a one-time event. Not that there was just this signal event half a century ago or more. And then everything just stayed level and then then it got to Trump and whoop, (laughs) dropped again. No. Like some tectonic plates shifting. No. No, there has been a steady, more or less steady, decline for more than half a century, much more. But like the stock market, it's not a straight-line decline. It's been virtually continual decline, but not straight-line. The angle varies, becomes 
shallower and becomes steeper. And when a person seeks the office of president, in the best case scenario, a person, a good, godly, righteous, just, honorable, noble, God-fearing, God-loving person seeks the office of president. Well, that basically never happens. But if and or when they do, they better have sense enough to realize that if they somehow or other miraculously succeed in being elected, and for a person like that to be elected, it would be virtually miraculous, if not in point of fact miraculous, that they are not going to be able to turn this thing around and make America great again, Hmm? make America good again in one term or two terms or ten terms, if that were an option. Because while the office of president, being in charge of the executive administration and having enormous power to mold and form and frame and influence and sway the judicial branch and the congressional branch, given enough time and what have you, and enough public support, that's not adequate to save America. But it is certainly adequate to further destroy America. It's so much easier to intensify the destruction, to speed up the decline than it is to stop it and turn the ship of state back the other way. The only way to do that, it's not going to be through politics. As I've said before, it requires spiritual revival and reformation. That's the only way it's going to happen. And the only way that a president can have any impact on that as far as actually helping that to come about is if he is a good, godly, God-fearing, God-honoring, God-loving person. And it's been a while since we've had one of those. You know that old saw about power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. No, 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 no. I mean... Yes, there's a grain of truth to it, several grains. But the fact of the matter is, power not only corrupts, it attracts.
corrupts the corrupt. An absolute power absolutely pulls in the most corrupt of people. As God says in his word that, and I'm paraphrasing very badly, I'll give you a quote another day, but that God gives control of the nations to the most corrupt of people. Now, some would think, well, that's Donald Trump. Well, Donald Trump, in my view, yes, he is vain, conceited, arrogant, shallow, superficial, materialistic, self-centered to a fault. As far as I'm concerned, immoral. And the list goes on. But I do not view him as evil. I do view him as corrupt. So... Take your pick. When they say the lesser of two evils, then that would require that it be two evil. If we're talking about individuals running for office, then it would require that they both be evil, right? And the lesser of the two evils would probably be the one that is weaker or stupider or less talented or something like that. Right? But both evil, both ruthless, both terrible, both murderous, but, right? So I would think, well, maybe, maybe that would be like Kim Jong-un compared to his dad and granddad. That he'd be the lesser because he's weaker. In my view. (laughs) But he is a vicious, ruthless destroyer. And his very weakness makes him, his very weakness and fearfulness makes him that much more erratic, if you will. Well... With regard to United States prestige and image, I don't care about that, really. Because, you know, the matter of beauty being in the eyes of the beholder, well, your reputation is too. And if nations that are led by corrupt people have a dim view of the United States of America... That really just doesn't matter to me. If they would have a better view, a higher regard for the United States of America, if it had a worse leader, an evil leader, then I don't want that. (laughs) You know? But... Donald Trump said regarding Iran 
regarding the Iranian attempts to crush dissent and protest. The Iranian regimes, the Islamo-fascist regimes attempts to crush and destroy the protests and the dissent chiefly from young working class people and or young professionals, college educated, what have you. He said the world is watching. Well, so what? The world is watching. Who is the world? While the United States of America allows itself to be bullied by all the little banana republics and banana dictatorships, these places don't. They're only influenced by Russia, the Russian Federation, and communist China. And that's about it. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.